I'm Josh. Welcome to Red Decks Win, a podcast about the best color in Magic the Gathering. I like red in all formats. I haven't played all formats yet. I assume I'll, I'll like it in the ones I haven't played. I know modern the best of all the formats, but I've messed around with standard, especially when I got started, and uh, popper as well for a time, until people in the area stopped playing it, which is too bad. I still like popper. I recently got into playing Commander. I got the red-white Ozgear uh, pre-con from the Strixhaven set, and I've had fun with that. I want to skip around formats on this show and not just focus on what I know best or one specific format. It's more about red as a whole. A mix of both, am I interested in this topic, slash, is this important to red? I don't want to go too far in either direction of this is red, therefore I have to talk about it even though I don't want to, or too far in, this is the only deck I'm playing at the moment, let's only talk about that. So I want to see how wide I can spread my net before I can't control it anymore. So in the meantime, we'll keep expanding with this second episode of the podcast. Last episode, we talked about two specific cards. Today, we're going to focus more on some Tales from Arena. So I don't play Magic Online. I did recently start playing Arena back in June. In Arena, the news about town was they had this new set coming with a few digital-only cards. It was called, like, Historical Horizons, Masters, Jumpstart, whatever. Anyways, they had to delay that set. So in the meantime, though, you get a couple free drafts out of it from some recent uh, sets. Or I, I say recent, as in not like original Innistrad but not like something that's just been rotated out of standard. Like Amonkhet is the one I was going to talk about. I did an Amonkhet remastered draft. It has both Amonkhet in it and Hour of Devastation. Plus there's some additional cards. There's a bunch of removed cards. You get the idea. I, I didn't know the set that well anyway, so it didn't matter too much what was added, what was removed. I kind of just jumped in with a brief scan of uh, the cards. I played a Mardu Aggro deck in the free draft I got. I'm not going to get too detailed about what that deck was. That's not the point of this story. I went 3-3 three and three with that deck, and I'll take it considering I didn't know what I was doing a decent amount of time, and uh, I made some big playing mistakes. And this is what I wanted to get to. The big embarrassment I had in my final loss, I was up against a red-white deck, and I'm feeling pretty good because I've got my Mythic that I drafted in the first pack on the field in Oketra the True, which is 3 and 1 white for an indestructible double strike 3-6, and you can sink 4 mana into it to make a 1-1 Vigilance token. A little bit of the downside is that you can't attack or block with it unless you have 3 other creatures. So my opponent, with their red-white deck, it's kind of the deck I always want to build, but never quite seems open in draft the way I want it to be. The grass is always greener, or the red's always redder on the other side. Uh, they had a bunch of, like, these small red prowess creatures, and they had some removal to get some damage in. But I was starting to clog the board up now with Oketra the True. Then they bring in their big mythic, which is awesome. It was Chandra, the Planeswalker card, which was one of the additions. Like, Chandra's not in the Amonkhet original sets, but in the Amonkhet remastered online, she's in it. Whatever. So I took a big swing at Chandra because I knew it was going to be a problem, and I had my god swinging in at it with 3-6 double strike, a few other creatures coming in too. I've got a red pump spell in hand. I'm feeling good I'm going to win this game after I kill Chandra. But then they had a trick up their sleeve of themselves with impeccable timing. 
deal three damage to an attacking or blocking creature. So they deal the three to my god, Oketra. I pump it and try to get some more damage in, but Sun doesn't quite seem right when I think about the math. I get in for a little damage on Chandra, but I could have swore I had lethal, especially with the pump spell. Instead, she's still got one loyalty and she's still alive. The problem with Arena is I get lazy with it. It's just like, oh yeah, that's the that's the way the card worked out. That's the board state. In paper, you got to actually do the math and get, oh, that's exactly why this event happened. But in Arena, sometimes it's murky why things occur. So then we got the big problem of the game. So but I noticed that was fishy. Then my turn ends, and my god, Oketra, she's not so mighty anymore. Instead of being a 3-6, she's now just an 0-3. It had minus one, minus one counters on it, and I'm like, what happened? I look around their board, I don't see what could be causing the damage to stick around like that. Even worse, they've got a source to give me more minus one, minus one counters somehow. Then Chandra starts pinging creatures for one each turn with her loyalty uptick, and that damage is sticking around turn to turn two with some minus one, minus one counters. So my guess as to why the damage was sticking around was because of a glitch in the program or a bug of some kind. There's a lot of minus one synergies in the set. Maybe the computer just assumes everything gets minus one, minus one counters when it's dealt damage this game. I lose the game. I'm very frustrated, you know. I go to the Magic the Gathering Arena subreddit. I post about this bug and I ask, has anyone else had this same issue? I made sure I also said I looked at the board myself. I didn't see anything that could be causing this effect. Thankfully, though, Reddit didn't believe me. The second comment I got asked, did they have a Soulscar mage in play, maybe? Soulscar mage. One red for a 1-2 human wizard creature that's a rare. It has prowess. If a source you control would deal non-combat damage to a creature an opponent controls, put that many minus one, minus one counters on that creature instead. I couldn't believe how dumb I was. One of those little red prowess creatures I mentioned earlier? Yeah, one of them was Soulscar Mage. And even though it's only a one-two, I never seemed to have a good block for it or a good removal I wanted to use, so it stayed in play most of the game. I deleted my Reddit post out of embarrassment, and I sent a personal message to the commenter that had told me maybe it was a Soulscar Mage. I said, I'm a moron. Thanks for the clarification. Now I know, and I'll know in the future. Here's the real reason this story stinks. My favorite type of creature in Magic is Red One Drops. Goblin Guide, Swift Spear, Grim Lavamancer in Modern, Spark Elemental, and Vampire Neonate in Popper. Village Messenger, Goblin Glory Chaser, I played them in Standard, and on and on. I've done Scryfall searches where I just look for red one-drops, sometimes for budget playables in whatever format I'm in, or just for fun. And I have seen Soulscar Mage before. It's not like, oh, this is a brand new card I never noticed. I knew this card was an expensive one-drop. It's like eight bucks for one of these guys. I had considered buying Soulscar Mage when Amonkhet was new, but at the time, I was only really playing Modern. This card doesn't really see play in Modern, so I let it be. I think my brain knew of Soulscar Mage, and I saw it hit the field in that game. I did notice it go there, and I just thought, oh yeah, Soulscar Mage. 1-2 prowess without haste, strictly worse Monastery Swift Spear. 
but I was missing that second bit of text because I hadn't played the card and I, I just didn't pay enough attention. So, if you're a mono-red player and you find yourself being stereotyped online or in person and people are like, you don't know how to play smart magic. You don't know how to deal with making a bunch of decisions about which spell to cast this turn. You only look at the two cards in your hand and pick one. Or, you're somebody that just smashes face each turn with an empty head. Just turn creatures sideways, who cares about the results? Or, you're somebody that doesn't even read the cards your opponent plays. You don't even understand the rules or the board state. I'm sorry if you've been stereotyped like that. I'm part of the reason. I like goblins, but I like burn and I like red deck wins more. I haven't built too much full-on goblins. I guess the reason is because you have to have a decent amount of board space, and my brain doesn't want to keep track of that. I know it's not too much, but it's a little bit harder than uh, keeping track of burn. With that, it's very simple how many cards you have in hand. Red deck wins, usually you're not going to get quite as crowded a board space either. So maybe that's a dumb reason, but uh, it's the reason I use why I haven't done too much goblins. At the moment, though, I'm having an affair with goblins on Magic Arena. I feel like Burn is my wife, and she's going to notice me coming home late from work, long after the bowling alley is closed, and then she's going to be doing my laundry and notice a goblin token in my pocket. What is this? What is this? So, like I said earlier, I didn't start Arena until June this year, so I didn't want to invest in Eldraine and a bunch of stuff for Standard that's going to rotate out. So instead, I'm happy they've got the uh, 2022 standard mode, and in that mode, I'm playing uh, best of ones as well, so I'm not worrying about sideboard, so that makes it easier. I wanted to play Mono Red, of course, in this new 2022 standard environment, and Adventures in the Forgotten Realms pointed me in the direction towards Goblins. So I've got this Goblin deck for 2022 standard. It's based on a video from the YouTuber The Scar TV. I'll have a link in the description as well. Long video name, Budget-Friendly Rotation-Proof MTG Forgotten Realms Standard Decks. It is deck three in that video. So that's what I started with. Other factors in building this deck, I tried to prioritize using cards I already had. I have only spent $5 in Arena for like the opening or just getting started newbie pack that gets you some packs of cards and gets you some gems. But other than that, I've been free to play on there. And so I tried to use my wild cards more sparingly, figure out what am I going to get the most value out of, what's essential for this deck to work, what can maybe I use in a future deck after this one isn't my favorite anymore, stuff like that. I haven't really gone through how many wins or losses I've had with it. I've played about 50 games with this deck, I'd guess, and I've made some tweaks throughout that time. Let's get into the deck. Starting things off, four copies of Fireblade Charger. Fireblade Charger is a 1-1, one-drop goblin. When it has equipment on it, it gets haste. And when it dies, you can deal damage equal to its power to any target. It's got cool art on it, too, I wanted to mention. It's not too derpy of a goblin, which I know derpy goblins are the classic, and there's something to be said for the old art design, but I think my favorite is the ones that look more like armadillos 
with the uh, different colored skin on the top of their heads than the rest, like the Goblin Guide art. And this looks more like one of those, those Zendikar type goblins. So he's cool looking, and he's a one drop that can deal damage to any target when he dies. So we're always happy to see Fireblade Charger in our opening hand. Then we've got a playset of Goblin Javelinier. It's a hasty 1-1 for 1, and it deals 1 damage to a, any creature that blocks it. This is your ideal turn 1 play. You get this on the board, get 1 damage in, it's classic red. We got 2 copies of Shock in the deck. You can make the case for Frostbite as well, since mainly you're going to be using this for creature removal anyways to make way for the goblins. I settled on not too much removal in this deck, because I wanted to mainly throw goblins at blockers for my removal. Now, Shock is going to rotate out, but the reason it's legal on Arena in Standard 2022 is because it is one of those Arena starter cards. So, if you're making this in paper and you want something rotation-proof, maybe use Frostbites instead if you got them, or you can use Royal Eruption for one mana more and at sorcery speed. Then we have an uh, arena-exclusive card in three copies of Tin Street Cadet. This is our third and final one-drop goblin. It's the weakest of the three we've got, but hey, you still want some early goblins. When Tin Street Cadet gets blocked, you get to make another 1-1 goblin, so hopefully it replaces itself, and it's not too bad. If you're playing this in paper or you don't want to use arena-exclusive cards, maybe try Hall Monitor, which it isn't a goblin, but its art looks cool for one. It's a hasty 1-1, one, one, and it can get some uh, creatures unable to block. There's no goblin synergy with Hall Monitor, but the only other legal one-drop goblin in the 2022 standard format is Sneaking Guide, and that's a bad card. Moving on to some two-drops. We got four copies of Battle Cry Goblin. More than anything else, this is the card that I feel really makes this deck. It is a 2-2 two, two for 2 with ability that gives every gobbo haste and plus 1 for the turn. Then, when you're attacking with 6 or more total power among all your attackers, you get a 1-1 one, one goblin token that's swinging in. If you've got 4 mana open, you can be dangerous. They think you've got a weak board of just 2 one ones. You play this, you use its ability on the same turn, giving it haste, and giving everything else plus 1, plus 1, Boom, you've got 8 damage swinging in across 4 different bodies. Play it on Curve 2 if you don't have another play, but I'd say if you got another 2-drop, you're probably going to want to use that and leave Battlecry Goblin if you only have one copy in hand. Wait to play that until you feel like you can really swing the game. Then we've got an equipment in the deck, 2 copies of Goblin Morningstar. I tried to strike a balance in the deck between having enough goblins and different payoffs. This isn't our strongest payoff, but hey, it's utility and it gets some work done. When we're empty-handed and we've dumped our one-drops early game, this is something good we can do with our mana, attach it to one of those goblins. It only gives the goblin plus one and trample. However, you're going to get a 1-1 one, one goblin token out of it when it comes onto the battlefield, and if you roll a dice and you get a high enough uh, dice roll, it'll be automatically attached to it. Plus, you can uh, pair it with Fireblade Charger late in the game, so that Fireblade Charger comes in with haste, and, you know, it'll deal two to anything when it dies instead of just one. We got a playset of Hobgoblin Captain. It is a 3-1. Not a strong body for two. I like that the art looks cool, and it's a Spider-Man villain name on a card. Hobgoblin. What more do you want? 
On the more deck building side of things, this isn't too bad in our deck though. When it has 6 power coming in across all your attackers, similar to that Battlecry Goblin ability, you get First Strike. Occasionally, if you have an empty board, this can be good in getting that 3 damage in. If you've got a big board with a lot of goblins, this is great. Middle range though, where you only have like 1 or 2 other creatures, it's not so great on those turns if you're only swinging in with like 4 total attack. We got a single copy of Royal Eruption, the current Lightning Strike in Standard. I've never used the kick ability to do more than that deal 3 damage to any target part. I've tried playing with more copies in the deck, but I found when I do, I just want more of those sweet, sweet goblins. Then we got two copies of Roiling Vortex. This was a recent addition to the deck. Why is there both Royal and Roiling from the... I can't even say it. Why are they both from the same set right next to each other? It's confusing. Anyways, Roiling Vortex is a utility card. It's a sideboard favorite usually, but since we're in a no sideboard format, I'm putting it in the main for those grindy games and to stop some life gain. Roiling Vortex, if you don't know, it does a little of everything. For one in a red, it is an enchantment that deals one damage to either player on the beginning of their upkeep. So if it's your turn, one damage to you. If it's their turn, it'll deal one damage to them as well. If somebody cast a spell without paying its mana cost, it deals five to them. And then finally, you can pay one red to prevent life gain this turn. I got a win here recently against a black and white sacrifice deck by having two of these out both at once. They were down to two life and the triggers were already on the stack and they had a spell to destroy it in hand, but they waited until those were on the stack and that's too late. So that was an awesome win. But yeah, Roiling Vortex for those grindier games and when you're sick of seeing your opponents play life gain against you. We got three copies of Goblin Gathering. This is an arena exclusive card. When you first play it for 3 mana, you're getting 2 1-1 goblins out of it, which isn't great. It's a worse dragon fodder or Krinko's Command. But the more goblin gatherings you play in a game, you get one more gobbo for each copy of goblin gathering in the graveyard. I didn't feel it was great enough for a full playset, but it's a good investment for getting some big swinging turns later on down the line. I mean, if you can get 3 goblins for 3 mana or 4 goblins for 3 mana, that's a great deal. If you're playing in paper, or maybe if you're trying to do something else, you can try replacing it with the card you see a pair of goblins, which gets you uh, two one ones, or it can pump everything. Uh, I think it's plus two, plus oh. Three copies of Hobgoblin Bandit Lord. This is one of our big goblin payoffs, along with Battlecry Goblin. Give all other goblins plus one, plus one. Plus, if their defenses are too strong and you don't want to be swinging in with your pumped goblins, you can bring some other goblins into play, and then you pay one red, you tap this guy, and he deals damage to any target equal to the amount of goblins that entered play this turn. Even on an empty board, you can hope to get more goblins and do some pings next turn or something like that. Last goblin in the deck, we got two copies of Hulking Bugbear. For one generic and two red, you get a 3-3 with haste. There was a Kaladesh card, Brazen Scourge, exact same cost and stats. I don't know the ideal amount of hulking bugbear to have in your deck. I'm only playing two since it's good, but it's not amazing. It's a pretty simple card, and I like keeping the curb very low, so I played two instead of just one, which I tried earlier. We got two copies of Magic Missile in the deck. For one generic and two red, you get a sorcery. This spell can't be countered. 
Magic Missile deals 3 damage divided as you choose among 1, 2, or 3 targets. So it's a bit expensive for a direct damage spell, but you're getting more versatility than you have with Royal Eruption for that one more mana. You get to spread that damage around, clear some uh, enemies after blocks, and after they think they've taken out some of your goblins, well, bam, their creature's dead too. It's a classic D&D card too. I think of that Magic Missile YouTube video with the guy going, Magic Missile! We got one copy of Raid Bombardment. This is an arena exclusive. I mean, it has been printed in paper, but uh, it's not legal and standard or anything. This is an enchantment that whenever you attack with a creature with two power or less, you get to ping the opponent for one. This really adds up if you got a good board with plenty of goblins on it, and then you see all those uh, triggers happen. It's a great feeling. And that is it for our spells. And then for our lands, it's nice and simple like I like it. Just all mountains. 23 mountains. That's probably too many. I'm scared to cut too many because there's abilities on Battlecry Goblin and Morningstar, the equipment cost, Hobgoblin pinging stuff for one, and Roiling Vortex being able to stop life gain. I try to troll the opponent by having different art on each land as well, since in Arena you get all those art options, it's like, might as well use them and confuse people. You can definitely make a case for playing Din of the Bugbear in this deck, get a play set of those, that won't hurt either, which is a land where you pay some mana on turns when you need another goblin, and bam, you got a 3-2 coming in, and also a 1-1 tapped in attacking. So, this deck we've got has 9 commons in it, and even more uncommons than commons, which is a little weird for a budget deck. 14 uncommons, rares, we only have 5 of them, and cards you already get for being a starter in Arena, we have 9 of them. So this deck, it's nothing too expensive to build in paper. I didn't get an exact cost because there's sideboard as well, which I haven't messed with, and I'm playing a lot of Arena starters, which aren't available in paper. But I think the most expensive card is like 50 cents. If you get Den of the Bugbear in there, that's going to be like 2 or $3 each, so that'd be your most expensive card. Sideboard, I'll leave it up to you to figure out. So after about 50 games with this deck, I've had fun with it. Maybe I should have kept better track of my wins and losses. I feel like I'm at the normal amount for a budget deck, which is like 45% or so. It's a bad matchup against life gain, which is part of why I brought those Roiling Vortexes in. Board wipe as well, you don't want to see that. Makes sense, that's just pretty typical for all Goblin decks until you get them real pumped up. Nothing too complicated with this deck to play. As always, when you have a bunch of aggressive creatures, you don't want to make yourself too vulnerable to removal, where if you got a good board state already, and you can either have a fantastic perfect board state, or avoid the uh, creature board wipe, I'd be uh, more patient and try to avoid that board wipe. Battlecry Goblin, like I said, is the real start of the deck, and a lot of times, if you can get away with it, play it at four mana so you can, or, well, play it for two mana and then use its two mana ability, and you get a real big board. So that's been my foray into goblins. I may, might make something similar in paper. However, maybe I won't, because Innistrad's going to be coming around, and sadly, it's not really a goblin place, so maybe we won't get more goblin synergies. Maybe we'll get more red deck wind synergies, though, instead. I don't know. That's on the way in September. In conclusion, I don't read cards as much as I should, and I like turning goblins sideways. That's it for this episode of Red Decks Win. Play mountains, climb mountains, conquer mountains.